Hill. Thanks for tuning in to Amy on the Hill, a podcast born out of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, which says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. This is Amy. Welcome back to another week of the podcast. I also want to welcome anyone who might be listening for the first time. Happy to have you tuning in. We are currently reading through and discussing a book by author and teacher Francis Chan entitled Crazy Love. And at this point, we're a little more than halfway through the book. So if you're new to the podcast, don't worry about trying to catch us in the reading. You don't have to read along in order to listen along. I think you will still enjoy and get a lot out of the podcast discussion, even if you're not reading the book. But if you do want to read along, please do it. That's one of the benefits of podcasts. You can listen at your own pace. So feel free to grab a copy of Crazy Love by Francis Chan and go back and listen along to the previous episodes. If you're interested You can view a copy of our reading schedule under the resources section of my website, amyonthehill.com. On the reading schedule, you'll notice we're also reading through the book of James and the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John out of the Bible. This past week, we read chapter 7 of Crazy Love and out of the Bible, we read 1st John chapter 3. But before we get into our discussion, uh, let's stop to take a minute to pray together, okay? So whatever you're doing, please stop for a moment and devote your full attention to a short time of prayer. Most High God, we come to you in Jesus' name. We acknowledge that you are over all the earth, everything from the rulers of the nations to the smallest detail of our personal lives. You are in control and you are working. Help us to believe that and help us to trust you with that because, Lord, it often doesn't make sense to us what you're doing. It often doesn't make sense how you're working. Your word says that your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You see a bigger picture, a picture that we don't see. So help us, Lord, help us to have your perspective instead of our own limited perspectives. There's a song we used to sing in church that said, take my heart and mold it, take my mind transform it, take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, O Lord. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to turn our hearts, our minds, and our will over to you. This is our prayer. Take my heart and mold it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, O Lord. Our way 
isn't working, Lord, and it never will work apart from you. Help us to give it all to you. Honestly, for me, I don't know exactly what that means right now. I want to know. I want it to be spelled out like a checklist, very black and white, but it's not that clear to me. It's not that straightforward for some reason. So I ask personally for clarity. I ask that for me and for all of us, Lord. I pray that you would work through this effort, our reading, and this podcast to draw each one of us closer to you, Lord. Please give us ears to hear what you want to say to us. And um, please give us a willingness to be used to speak and to do whatever it is you want to do through us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Help us to love you and others with that same kind of love. We do love you, Lord, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Okay, so as I mentioned this past week, we read chapter 7 of Crazy Love, and out of the Bible, we read 1 John chapter 3. Chapter 7 of Crazy Love was entitled, Your Best Life, dot, 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 later. Your best life, later. And it started out by saying, by now, you've probably realized you have a distinct choice to make. Just let life happen or actively run toward Christ. So it's one of two things, either let life drift on or actively run toward Christ. Running toward Christ is not something that will happen la-di-da. It won't happen by our continuing to do life the exact same way we've been doing it and expecting different results. So, Francis asks, what does running toward Christ and pursuing love look like in daily life? And from there... In this chapter, Francis took us through several examples found in scripture. He took us to Hebrews chapter 11, which is well known as the Hall of Faith. And we looked at many different examples of very flawed people who had a relationship with God and who were used of God to do some very significant things according to God's will. And as Francis pointed out, a common theme that could be seen in a lot of these people's lives was the fact that having faith often meant doing what others see as crazy. Does that ring true to you? Having faith often means doing what others see as crazy. Are we living our lives in such a way uh, that others think we're crazy? Francis wrote that when he was back in Bible college, a professor asked his class, what are you doing right now that requires faith? And Francis said that question affected him deeply because at that time he couldn't think of anything in his life that required faith. He said, I probably wouldn't have been living very differently if I didn't believe in God. My life was neither ordered nor affected by my faith like I had assumed it was. Furthermore, when I looked around, I realized I was surrounded by people who lived the same way I did. 
Hmm. So how about us? Are we living any differently than the people around us? And if so, how? I don't know about you, uh, but I'm finding these questions very difficult to answer. When I read this book, when I read Crazy Love for the first time eight or nine years ago, I was really at the beginning of my faith walk. I had come to a saving relationship with the Lord as a young child, but I was stunted in my spiritual growth for many many, many years. Imagine like a four-year-old child who just doesn't age. That was me for many years as far as my faith. I just stayed really immature. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 12, speaks to Christians like this. It says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. That was a word for me when I was reading this book eight or nine years ago. I was still like an infant, not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. So this book really affected me in that regard. When I thought about how my life was different than the people around me, I saw that it wasn't really different at all. I had faith in God, I went to church, I did some of the quote-unquote right things, but my life was mine. And so a lot of the changes that I made at that time really involved uh, me starting to devote my mind and my time to Scripture, um, growing in my relationship with the Lord, making time with the Lord a priority in my life, and making prayer and reading and study a priority. I, I did significantly change the way that I lived when I read this book eight or nine years ago. And so today, as I read these things, I think in a lot of ways, you know, my life is different than the people around me. Uh, but at the same time, I still feel convicted because my life isn't that different. I told you about that book, Kisses from Katie, a few weeks ago. Uh, the girl who wrote that book moved to Uganda after graduating from high school, and she adopted 16 daughters. This girl left her family, her boyfriend, or college plans behind, and in obedience to God's call on her life, she straight up gave her life for these children in Uganda. And when I think of someone like Katie Davis uh, from Kisses from Katie, my life seems like a big, fat, luxury vacation. It seems very typical and ordinary and comfortable. So really, honestly, uh, I'm struggling through what God is trying to show me this time around as I read through this. Um, yeah, that's just where I am. I think 
interesting that Francis quoted 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20 in our reading this week. Did you notice that? If you're reading along, you know that in addition to reading a chapter of crazy love each week, we're also reading one chapter from the Bible. And this week, uh, we happen to have read through 1 John chapter 3. So again, I think it's very cool that in his providence, God would have Francis pull a block quote out of 1 John chapter 3 for us to consider in our crazy love reading the same time that we're reading 1 John chapter 3 out of the Bible. Very cool. Um, so anyway, for our discussion, I'm actually going to read 1 John chapter 3 verses 16 through 20 for us now. First, I'm going to read it for us out of the NIV, which has been new international version. That's the version from which Francis quotes in this book. And then I'm going to read it for us a second time out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is the version that I read from in my reading this week. Okay, so first out of the NIV, 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Then this, I'm sorry, this then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. Now I'm going to read it out of the ESV. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Okay, so maybe like me, some of you are struggling with this passage because all of us have a good amount of material possessions. As we've discussed in several previous podcast episodes, it definitely doesn't feel like we're rich as compared to the people around us, the people we do life with, and the people we see on television and through media. But as compared to most of the world's population, almost every one of us, if not every single one of us, is rich. So what does that mean? Do we give away or sell everything we have to meet the needs of the poor? Is that what's being said here? I know I want the answer to that question to be no. I want the answer to be no. I don't want that to be what God is communicating here. Uh, but really, honestly, I don't think that is what's being communicated here. Uh, I do want to say, please, if you disagree with me on this, I want to hear from you because Honestly, I feel kind of selfish coming to what seems like a very convenient interpretation. So again, if you want to write me with your perspective and your perspective uh, differs from my perspective on this, I 
will do my best to hear you out with a tender heart toward what God might want to say to me through you. Because again, my interpretation, which I'm about to share with you here, feels convenient. Um, because basically, again, I don't think our response to 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 20 necessarily means we need to give away or sell everything we have to meet the needs of the poor. Francis even references Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, which says, If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. What that's saying is you can give away all you have. You can even be a martyr and you can gain nothing. So I don't think this is a matter of just casting off the material world and resigning yourself to a life of poverty and thus gaining eternal reward. There's more to it than that. This isn't a checklist. It goes deeper. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? And in the ESV it says, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Then we're encouraged, Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Or, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. What does this mean? I don't know. I don't think it's supposed to be black and white or exactly the same for every person as far as how living this out is supposed to look. I think what's clear is that we are to love our brothers and sisters. We're not to close our hearts off to people. We're to have actions that back up our professions of faith. We are to speak the truth of God's word and live according to that truth. Some of us might like Katie Davis, kisses from Katie. Some of us might do something really radical with the rest of our lives. Others, others of us might look uh, kind of ordinary as compared to someone like Katie Davis, but our lives may be markedly different in the way we spend our time, our money, and our talents. Whatever we do, we need to love God and be willing to give everything to him, be willing to be led by him and to live according to his finished work in Christ. This isn't something that we need to earn. Uh, and as we do that, we don't want to close off our heart our hearts to the people around us, especially if we can't meet every single one of our, their needs. Sometimes that's something in me where if I can't meet a need, then maybe I want to close my heart off to, to that need because I feel like it's bigger than me. I think God is asking us here not to close off our hearts, even if we don't feel like we can meet the need. He wants us to stay tender to people, uh, those who have spiritual needs and physical needs. And we don't want to be ashamed to be different, maybe even a little crazy as compared to the people who are called to serve. OK, 
Okay, friends, that concludes this episode of the podcast. I'm cutting our time a little short this week because of my personal schedule. I apologize for that. This week, we are reading chapter 8 out of Crazy Love and out of the Bible. We're reading 1 John chapter 4. Again, this week, we're reading chapter 8 out of Crazy Love and out of the Bible, we're reading 1 John chapter 4. As always, if at any point you need a reminder on what we're reading, you can always pull up our reading schedule under the resources section of my website, amyonthehill.com. Please also connect with me on Facebook by searching and liking the page Amy on the Hill. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter under the handle Amy, A-M-Y, B-X, Hill, H-I-L-L. As we close, as we do every week, I'm going to speak over you a benediction from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. Uh, For those of you who may not know this, this was the benediction my great-grandfather would speak over his congregation at the close of every service. He was a pastor of an evangelical free church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and this is the church uh, in which my mom came to know Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. And these verses also had special meaning to my own father, uh, who passed away about a year and a half ago. So please, in faith, uh, receive this blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. 